5, uh, 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Thank you, Lisa Joy. Evening, everyone. Sounded like a lot of fun, the jaywalk. Boys won, but who was the best team? Yep, all the best team, I like it. <clears throat> and welcome everyone back. This might be the first time that you were back in a, in a while. Maybe you've been away for Christmas or New Year, so welcome back to, to church again. Hopefully you had a, a nice restful uh, break and you're looking forward to seeing what God has in store um, for us, for you, for our church uh, throughout 2024. Now, before I go any further, there is a confession I need to make about this passage because most preachers, when they're given this passage, will be thinking, finally, a passage on fishing. I can finally tell my fishing story as a great analogy at the end about a time I caught a wonderful fish and, you know, maybe you pulled a Bible up out of the, with a fishing rod and you were able to witness with someone. My confession tonight is I really don't like fishing that I don't like it at all, I, no one ever catches anything whenever I'm there, I get sunburnt, uh, I find it boring. Does anyone here not like fishing? Put your hand up if you do like fishing and I apologise for those, for those people, sorry, sorry about that. Um, if you ever ask me to go fishing, um, I'm probably too busy or too sick on that particular weekend. But what I'm thankful about with this passage and hopefully you are thankful about with this passage tonight too, is that this passage about Jesus and his friends on a fishing boat is actually not about fishing at all, is it? But what I do think it's about is obedience. It's about how following Jesus requires obedience and persistence even in the times when we might feel like obedience doesn't make sense, in the times where perhaps giving up actually seems like a better option. I think the word obedience is a word that we often actually only ever associate with children at times. We will say that children must obey their parents. Parents, you might say, children, you, I'm your parent, you must, you must obey me. We, we assume that children should obey their teachers. 
we say, yeah, children should obey teachers. That's, that's kind of the, the right thing to do. Um, you know, they should have enough trust. A child should have enough trust in a person or a teacher uh, to, to just trust that they know what they're doing and, and obey. But reflecting on this word obedience, it's a word that we rarely use as adults, isn't it? How often are you as an adult told to obey someone? Should you obey your boss at work? And you might kind of go, oh, you need to respect them, but do you obey them? Should you obey your church pastor? I think our default position often when we use the word obedience is to question, to see if a command or a request actually fits our ideals. We'll consider the alternatives. We'll be sceptical of, of, of something to obey. And then if we finally see that maybe obedience is the best thing to do, uh, then, we, then we just we might do it. Now, there's often very good reason for both children and adults to not obey at times. But my prayer for this passage tonight is that it will help you to understand the joy and the freedom that comes from obeying a God who is always trustworthy. Always. He's always faithful. And he's always with you as you obey his loving commands. And for me, the most striking thing about this whole passage, maybe you picked up on it during the reading, is that obedience even leads to repentance at times. So let's uh, have a a little look at this passage. Uh, When we look at the boat, this is kind of a a bit of an idea of how big we're sort of talking about when we're looking at the boat. So I often think, I'm I'm picturing really big boats, but this is probably the size of the boat we're looking at. So just sort of picture Jesus, Peter, maybe one or two other disciples kind of on these boats when they're doing fishing. So as we sort of heard in the passage in Luke chapter 5, we see Jesus, first of all, standing at the edge of the lake, lots of people around him, and they're listening to Jesus preaching the good news. And then more people come along and start listening to Jesus, and then more people start coming along as well, and the crowds start pushing in. And if Jesus moves any further back, his feet are going to start being in the water, and then his knees are going to be in the water. So Jesus, he looks around and he sees a couple of boats over there, and he looks at those boats pulled up on the sand and there's fishermen over there and they were, finished, uh, they were repairing their nets from their night's fishing that they had just completed. Um, night fishing was the best time to go fishing in the deep waters to catch the most fish back then, so that's why they, they fished at night. In the daytime, they would usually just fish in the shallower waters where there were, where there were less fish. And Jesus goes up to one of these fishermen Uh, We know his name is Simon, soon to be called Peter. And Jesus asks him if he could borrow his boat and help just push the boat out a little bit, just kind of hold the boat out a little bit for Jesus so that Jesus could go there, more people could see and hear Jesus speak. So Simon helps out by putting the boat out a little. Jesus continues preaching, sitting down in this boat with the, the crowd in front of him. So up, up to this point in this story, it's a fairly unremarkable story actually at the moment. It's pretty uneventful. Jesus wasn't the first person or the last person to actually preach from a boat. It kind of made sense when there were lots of people around. So Jesus then finishes his teaching for the day. The crowds disperse, the crowds go home. But it's here in this story where it actually starts to get really interesting because Jesus then turns to Simon who's been holding the boat out, Simon the fisherman, and he tells Simon to move the boat out even further and let down nets for a catch of fish. Now remember, Simon is a very, very experienced fisherman. He knows when to fish. He knows when to stop fishing. 
He's been working hard, fishing all night, and he's caught nothing. Now, this probably wasn't the first time Simon's come back with empty nets. It's probably not the last time he's come back with an empty net. We would kind of call it a bad day at the office. It's probably as, as bad as it gets. A bad day at the office. And so he's prepared his net, he's done the, the mending, and he's ready to go home and sleep. But Jesus says, Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And when Simon obeys Jesus' instruction, a miracle occurs. So many fish are caught that the nets, uh, they've just mended from the night before, they start to break. And it almost becomes comical when they call another boat over and say, hey, we've got so many fish, come on over. The other boat starts filling up with fish and both boats start sinking because of how many fish are there. It's nothing but a miracle of Jesus. And Simon Peter's response to this is probably the most surprising part of the entire story. Simon falls at Jesus' knees and says to Jesus, Go away from me, Lord. Go away. I'm a sinful man. And in this miraculous story, Jesus, sorry, Peter's obedience to Jesus, his instruction, brings him to a place of acknowledging his own sinfulness. And then the passage finishes with Peter and all of his fellow fishermen being astonished at what had just happened. And Jesus then uses this amazing circumstance to tell Simon, with a really good fishing analogy that I will never ever have, that Peter is now called to bring people to Jesus, to know Jesus and not just to bring fish onto a boat. It is an amazing, miraculous story, isn't it? Imagine being there to witness this event. And hopefully you've noticed, just like I said at the start, that this is not a passage designed to help you improve your fishing skills, but it's a passage that inspires and challenges us to obedience in following Jesus today. That we are called to obey Jesus today because we can trust the instructor. That we are called to obey Jesus today because we grow in our faith by not giving up in the hard times. And that we're called to obey Jesus today because it leads us to the acknowledgement of sin and repentance. So I want to explore these uh, just a little further. So the first thing I want to look at is that we are called to obey Jesus today because we can trust the instructor. So obedience, as I mentioned before, obeying an instruction in today's world, world is hard. It's sometimes frowned upon to obey, to obey governments, to obey churches. To obey. It means trusting that the person giving you the instruction can be trusted, that their motives are good, and that they have your best interests at hand. Now, Kelly and I this year are soon to be instructors of new drivers. Now, we've never done this before, but we're soon going to be teaching some people how to, how to drive. And I remember as I was learning to drive, I actually found it easier when I was learning to argue with my parents when they said, stop, go, you shouldn't have done that, for me to be able to argue with my parents when I did something wrong, compared to when I had a professional driving instructor next to me. Because when I had the professional driving instructor next to, next, next to me telling me what to do, I knew that this instructor had taught hundreds of teenagers just like me, that they had runs on the board that they had experience, and there was no way I was going to argue with them or disobey them 
like I would try with my parents. When they said, wait, when I thought there was a big enough gap in the traffic, I would wait. When they said, floor it, when I was trying to turn right out of Bunnings at Valley Heights, I would, I would floor it because I trusted, I trusted them. I trusted that they knew what they were doing and went with it. And as we reflect on Simon Peter's response of obedience to a pretty strange fishing request, we've got to remember that this isn't the first time that Simon and Jesus have met. If you've got Bibles open, you could just see just the chapter before in chapter 4, we actually see Jesus in Simon Peter's house. So he's in Simon Peter's house. And not only that, Simon Peter's mother-in-law gets sick and Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law just beforehand. So they know each other. They're well acquainted. Simon knew that Jesus had runs on the board. Simon had heard Jesus' teachings. He'd witnessed the miracles. So I think we are called to obey Jesus today because we too can trust the instructor. We don't have to question that the motives or be sceptical of Jesus because there's not a lot of guarantees that we have in this world, but there is one thing that is certain and that is we can obey God because he is trustworthy. He's always trustworthy. Uh, King David writes in this psalm that you can see on on the screen here, Um, Psalm chapter 9, King David writes, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Those who know you trust you. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Uh, One Christian writer um, says that trusting God completely means having faith that he knows what is best for your life, that you expect him to keep his promises You expect him to help you with your problems and that he will do the impossible when necessary. And I think Simon Peter in this passage is just starting to realise this. It's challenging. Today, can you honestly say that you trust Jesus enough to willingly obey him? Do you truly believe that God knows what is best for your life, that he will keep every promise that he has ever made and that he will do the impossible when necessary. Can I encourage you today to trust the instructor? When you are challenged to obey God, perhaps when you pray, when you read the Bible, when you meet with others, when you are prompted by the Holy Spirit, can you trust that he knows what he is doing and obey? Uh, Secondly, we're called to obey Jesus today because we grow in our faith by not giving up in the hard times. Now, I think Simon could rightly give a whole range of excuses as to why he shouldn't follow Jesus' command in this particular instance. Some very valid excuses. Um, Think about it. He could say, I'm tired, Jesus. I've been working all night. I need some rest. Uh, He could say, Jesus, we fished over there over and over all night. Trust me, there is no fish. There are no fish there. Trust me. He might say, Jesus, you, you don't understand. I'm the fisherman. Jesus, I know what I'm doing. No one fishes in the deep water during the day. That's just silly. He might say, Jesus, how about I just ask you for your help when I really need it? But despite the seemingly valid excuses to not obey Jesus, Peter says these fantastic words, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. But because you say so, 
I will. Isn't that an amazing response? A day without fish is, is a bad day for Simon. Not the end of the world. We can't read into this that the, Simon's family was about to starve to death unless he caught a fish at this particular time at all. Simon had made a seemingly sensible and common decision that says, let's give up. But I think Jesus here is teaching and preparing Simon Peter for the difficult experiences and the hard circumstances that he will very soon face as he becomes this fisher of men that Jesus alludes to. Because of all of Jesus' disciples, Peter will be the one who experienced the most ups and downs in life. Peter will have the most logical and reasonable excuses to give up following Jesus or to stop obeying. I read an article this week entitled, The 13 Failures of Peter. It's not a very good title, is it? The 13 Failures of Peter, where Peter's failures and sin are laid bare in the Bible 13 times. Hopefully someone never writes an article about me with something like that. Because when we think about Peter, Peter gets confused. Peter doesn't understand Jesus. He's not very good at walking on water. He keeps children away from Jesus. He wants to be the best. He's rebuked as being like Satan himself. He denies knowing Jesus in Jesus' darkest hour. He avoids Gentile people. You'd think, well, why not give up, Simon? You've got some pretty good excuses as to why you might do that. But instead, Peter chooses to obey. He obeys Jesus' fairly simple command to try a bit more fishing, and he sees the power of God at work. I love how Jesus includes Peter in this miracle. Jesus could easily have said, oh, Peter, you're no good, watch this, and magically you know, just make all these fish jump onto the boat. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead, Jesus stands right next to Peter in that pretty small boat that we saw before and he asks Peter to obey. And Jesus is next to Peter. Jesus is encouraging Peter during this. Jesus is helping Peter. But Peter must still choose to obey. It's so common throughout the New Testament in the Bible where a miracle from Jesus often requires some kind of action or obedience from someone else. So it's not just Jesus being a magician, but it's Jesus being God who chooses to partner with us. And every time Peter fails, Jesus grows his faith through instruction, sometimes through rebuke and through discipline. But he is always calling Peter into deeper godliness and never once, never once does Jesus tell Peter to give up. I think everyone here has times where giving up seems like the easier thing to do. Perhaps not giving up on your faith, but giving up on pursuing obedience. Maybe you've stopped spending time with God during the week because there's just so much to do in life. Maybe you've stopped re reading the Bible. Uh, maybe you've read it all before. Maybe you've stopped praying because it just feels like you're talking to yourself. Maybe you've structured and arranged your family life so that you don't need to rely on the Holy Spirit for God's provision and God's protection. Maybe you've stopped prioritising going to church because freeing up a Sunday to spend more time with your family is, is a good thing to do, isn't it? So if this sounds like you, then maybe today 
you too need to listen to these words of Jesus and say, but because you say so, Jesus, I will. But because you say, Jesus, I will. Maybe you need to throw out another net like Peter. Take another step of obedience, even if it doesn't make sense, because you can trust that Jesus knows exactly what he is doing. Why not start to pray again? Out of obedience to God's instruction. Maybe try something different. Uh, Read other people's prayers. Pray with other people. Why not try to read the Bible again this year? You do something different. Use a devotional or or a Bible app. Maybe don't try and read the whole Bible in a year, but try and read a few verses a week. Maybe memorise a verse. Maybe ask a friend to to join with you in reading a book of the Bible uh, throughout February. And the great news is, is that every time you step out in obedience, your faith will grow. You won't give up in those hard times because even after 13 mistakes, Peter is loved and encouraged and strengthened by a God who loves him for who he is and not because of anything he has or hasn't done. And I think uh, finally we're called to obey Jesus today because it leads us to the acknowledgement of sin and repentance. And this is to me is probably the most profound part of the of the passage. I've just been thinking, why would Peter respond to a boat full of fish, which is the ultimate goal for every fisherman to respond with the words to Jesus that says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. It sounds rude, doesn't it? It sounds rude. Go away, Jesus. Kind of hard when you're stuck in a small boat away from the shore too. I think perhaps we as a church often make the mistake in thinking that repentance, choosing to turn from our sinful ways and choose to turn to follow Jesus, only then leads to obedience. That the process of discipleship, of becoming like Jesus, only starts at conversion. That we can only learn to obey after we repent. That we need to get people to repent and only then we teach them to obey our Heavenly Father. And this thinking actually seems quite at odds with the people who interact with Jesus. In nearly every encounter Jesus has with someone who hasn't yet repented and believed, the person he encounters has at least heard of Jesus, had heard about or actually seen his miracles, had talked to others about Jesus' ministry, had sought out Jesus themselves, they had stacks of questions they wanted to ask, They identified a need for something in their lives beyond what they could do or experience themselves. So when Simon was in the boat with Jesus in this passage, Simon hadn't yet acknowledged his sinfulness. He hadn't. He spent all that time with Jesus seeing these things and yet he had not yet acknowledged himself as a sinner. He hadn't figured out that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, something he will proclaim down the track but he still obeyed. He still obeyed. And through his obedience and through God's miraculous work to meet Peter's need for repentance in a unique way that only Peter could understand, Peter found repentance. It was through obedience to Jesus that Peter understood his own sinfulness. And I hope this brings you encouragement today. Perhaps as you reflect on those you deeply love who have not yet recognised 
their need to repent. That it is only Jesus who can do this. But in every action of obedience that reflects the loving commands of Jesus, they too can be led towards repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And I pray that this church and churches around the world will be full of people who haven't yet repented, but are still drawn to obedience in a loving God. So when they come along to church, when they love their neighbour, when they love their enemy, when someone hears the word of God taught and they still choose to forgive, every action of obedience can lead to an acknowledgement of sin and repentance. And this certainly doesn't have to happen just in a church. If you are a disciple here today, you too can help make disciples in your family homes and in your workplaces and social events and even in a fishing boat. We can live in obedience to Jesus and help others to do the same because one day it might just be a bag of fish that Jesus will use to draw a new person into the kingdom of God. It might just be a bag of fish is all that's needed. So Jesus often taught about the importance of obedience just as we finish up. John 14 and 15, wonderful passages on obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. It's a real link to love and obedience. He says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. That's a pretty challenging one to read. But then you get a wonderful promise in John 15 where he says, Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So how can you grow in your obedience today? Is it still a word we shouldn't be using? We don't obey because we must, but we obey because we love him. God loves you and obedience to Christ is the best way to live. And for me this week, I've been thinking, how do I apply this? I've been challenged to prioritise prayer more. Prayer can be hard, can't it? Prayer can be hard. But I'm going to let down the net again. I'm going to choose to obey Jesus' command to pray to him more. Where can you choose to let down a net again this week? How can you choose to live in obedience to our gracious God? Because after many years of knowing Jesus, Peter finally saw the importance of obeying Jesus. And because of Peter and Jesus' fishing trip, we too know we can trust the instructor that will grow in our faith by not giving up in the hard times. And we can be led to the acknowledgement of our sin in our lives and repentance. We just need to trust and obey. And as I wrote those words, trust and obey, I was um, remembering a, um, a hymn that's often sung at the, the 8.30 service here called Trust and Obey. It's an old hymn. Who knows Trust and Obey? A few hands here. Yeah, great hymn. To sing this hymn alongside people who have been following Jesus for 70 or 80 plus years, knowing their story isn't a story where everything has gone well for them. They've had joys and sorrows experienced all the time. And yet they sing these words about trusting and obeying. It brings such joy to my heart and further encouragement that we are called to obey. I thought I'll just finish today by by reading out these words. This is the first verse out of Trust and Obey. And it says, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for Peter. Thank you so much that Peter chose uh, to obey. We know that Peter was not perfect by any means. 
But Lord, he had a wonderful trust in who you are and still chose to obey. And Lord, I just pray that this week, give us really gentle prompts and reminders and challenges and encouragement to obey. Not because you will love us anymore, but because that's the way that you want us to live. And thank you, Jesus, for doing all that is needed through Jesus' death and resurrection. Amen.